So, uh, Oriteller, were you a fan of the Animaniacs? Uh, Jamie, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Really? It was like an incredible cartoon. How have you, seriously, how could you have never heard of them? I'm sure even previous knows who they are. Yeah, Yakko, Wacko and Dot, why? It's time for Animaniacs. Previous? You, you are full of surprises these past few weeks. My brother, I didn't think you knew anything that brought people joy. Uh, how about you fuck off and we find out what happens this week on You Suck Chronicles. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Yusuke Chronicles. Today, we should be speaking to the man behind Animaniacs, Freakasoid, Earthened, and many, many more. These are the Chronicles of Blue Rock. Welcome, everybody, to the 25th edition of Yusuke Chronicles, the Chronicles of the one and only Paul Rugg. Welcome, as always, I am your host, Mr. Sleekier Than Sleek, Jamie, and with me, as always... It's a Scotsman, Tom. I noticed that you've just said the one and only Paul Rugg, right? I don't think you've one and only anybody else. Probably not. So, I don't know why. I just, I just felt like throwing in a one and only. Oh, fair enough. I mean, here's a, here's a one and only. Here's a, you know, a wonderful human being um, with great YouTube videos and uh, a great life that he's had. Um so you know, here's here's one person, and it is only him. So yeah, you are yeah, spot on. I'm technically you. right. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, fair enough. How are you, man? I'm very well. How are you? I'm absolutely knackered. What a shock! As he yawns, as he says he's knackered. It's been a it's been a hefty weekend, boys. It's been a hefty week. I've absolutely loved it, but just yeah, um, it's just been. I've been up since quarter to seven. No, earlier, half six. Oh, why? Christina did to me what Becky does to you. Okay. Um, she went to put her, put her makeup on. She couldn't see, bless her. So she just went, big light goes on. Big light. Big 2,000 watt bulb. No, the big light went on. And I was just like, she's like, sorry, babe, I can't see. Like, uh, neither can I. Uh, <laughs> My eyes are on fire. <laughs> I'll never see again. What's, go- what, what's going on? It was, yeah. So I'm pretty damn tired, bro. How's uh, how's your week been? It's been all right. I've been mostly workity workity working. Um, not done a fat lot really. Um, yeah, trying to think what I have done. I watched Godzilla versus Kong. That was fucking awesome. Yeah, I really really enjoyed that one. I'm you know guessing, what, right? Guessing you haven't seen any of the previous three, mate. Exactly. You just you just answer my. You just you just. <laughs> why are they consistently making movies? Oh, it's Godzilla versus Kong. Let's think of a new film. What can we do? Oh my god, I've had an idea, boys. How about King Kong versus Godzilla, two thousand and ten? Oh, awesome. Okay, let's have another idea. What else can we do? Hmm, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. <gasps> boys, never been done before. Godzilla versus Kong twenty one. Yes, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, stop it. It was wicked though. It was really good. Well, I'm pleased you enjoyed it, but I'm so bored of those sort of films. Not that I've watched any of them. Not that I will watch any of them. But just... I don't think there's going to be any more after this one anyway. So, do you think? Why has one died? Um, well, not spoiling it for anyone. But okay, I tried. I tried to check you there, but there you go. Um, <laughs> it's almost like people are running out of ideas for films. Don't you think? Oh, definitely. It does seem to be. Let's find this old property and put a new spin on it. 
It's like horror films are becoming so so sorry. It's like horror films are becoming like so samey. I don't know. I'm just getting a bit like. It's why I don't watch films. Like, there's no classics anymore. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't mean actually. When was the last time something was made that was saw as a classic? Well, exactly. You've got obviously like, you've got go Avatar, on. maybe. Yeah, because you've got like Harry Potter and you've got like the Marvel universe and that sort of thing, but they're based off books. Yeah, it's not a movie classic. Are most, movie, are most movies made off books? Uh, I'm just trying. A fair like, few, but trying to think. I'm trying to think. Most problem is a lot of movies you end up watching them and at the end you're like based on the book by like, oh I had no idea that was a book. There we go. I'm not trying to shit on films. I'm just thinking out loud more than anything else. I'm just trying to think. You know, there's no, there's no real classics anymore, is there? So. No. It's, maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's because we've moved on and there's different... I don't know. It's just, it's just a thought that I had. Um, but, yeah, man, I just just came to my... But did you enjoy it, yeah? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was really good. Um, as far as Sons of Anarchy is concerned, I barely had any time to myself, so I've watched like one episode since we last spoke. And that's about it. I've really not done a lot. I've just been working, working, working. Forgetting what hours you work. I'm forgetting what hours of work and yeah, getting a phone call from work going, um, we expected you in an hour ago. Where are you? I was like, I didn't think I was in front of a four hours. My bad. How did you get how can you get that wrong? But basically, my rotor, it's like the different shifts are color blocks. So it's like red is a day shift, green is a morning shift, red is a late shift, blue is a late shift. And the shift I was on and the shift I thought I was on were in the same color block, and I just got mixed up. You sausage. Yeah, Mastin, just a massive idiot. But it's all good. Okay, that's fair enough. It's all good. They weren't mad at me. It's fine. Good, as long as all is well. And I, uh, it typically would happen on the day that I was seeing my friend who I haven't seen in for fucking ever, which is like to cut that visit short, which is a bit annoying, but there we go. Bless you, my friend. Who was that? It was my bestie, Claire. Oh, my wonderful awesome. friend of who we worked out 20 years. How is she? Very well, yeah. It was nice to nice to catch up finally because then I haven't Kids seen right. in fucking months. Kids are wonderful. I've got the two smallies staying with me at the moment, which is nice. glorious. Lena and Sam just helped me make tea, which was lovely mac and cheese. It was good times. Awesome, dude. Yeah. What about you? I see you've been to some lovely places. Um, it's been busy, man. Really uh, working. Obviously, I don't. I'm I'm not going to work for Lloyd's much longer, which is amazing. I'm going to be going to Specsavers as of next Monday. Um, which I'm quite looking forward to because obviously um, getting back into the retail front, but they're not going to put me just in the retail. They're going to train me up on all the eye testing and that sort of thing as well. So that's what we like to see, um, which I'm quite excited for. So I'm going to be doing a bit of optometry. Ooh, a fancy um, word to go with it. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I'm looking forward to starting that next week. Uh, working, so re a lot. I really don't like that job. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> I do not like it. Um, call centers out for everybody. Eh? Um, I went to see the girlfriend obviously over the weekend. Um, just quite nice. We went to visit some nice places. Um, went for a nice walk around a massive manor house, which was lovely. Really enjoyed it. We did, we hardly covered any of the ground, um, but it was so um, busy, so we couldn't get a slot till like half three. And it shut at five, so um, we had no time to like get round. It was it was vast, vast. I tell me, uh, so we might go back again and go and check that out. But yeah, we spent a lot of time together. It was really nice. 
Um, so I saw Christina from Friday afternoon until this morning. Amazing. Which is Tuesday morning, yeah, which is amazing. Loved it. Um, she met my mum. Oh, why did that which go? Went, which went really, really well. Really, really well. Really oh, well. Cool. Which is good. Uh, other than that, oh, I met one of our her, her flatmates, which is really nice. Georgina, lovely girl. Um, and I watched a lot of rugby. So it's been a it's pretty, pretty decent weekend. I'm not going to lie. I'm just looking forward to the end of this week now to getting back into the whole retailist front. Yeah, I reckon it'll be good because at the end of the day, you've only just started that job. So it's not like a massive deal leaving it. And if you don't, not enjoying it already, then what the fuck's the point? Well, exactly. You know what, right? It's like everyone talks about the nine to five office role. It's just not for me. I couldn't work in an office. It's no. just, I'm just bored, man. I'm just sitting there all the time repeating stuff over and over again. It's just like, I am so not stimulated whatsoever. If you're going to be there most of the day, five days a week, you need to be stimulated and enjoying your job. So Exactly. I get that completely. Exactly. Jamie. Hello. Where were you when Mr. Brightside was released? I haven't got a fucking clue. I don't even know what year it was released. 2004. 2004. Where would I have been in 2004? Living in Wales. Were you here, were you? Yeah, I was living in Pembrokeshire. Were you? I was. Because? My mum lived there. I mean, my uh, partner at the time couldn't stay with her mum anymore, so he moved in with my mum. Wow. Okay. That's news to me. Fair enough. Um, I was just finishing school. Um, and I remember being sat at home because I used to have music channels on all the time and I had MTV2 on and The Killers, Mr. Brightside came on and I was like, I don't like indie music, but what the fuck is this song? I've never anyway, liked that song. I've never got the hype over it. Never liked it? No. Did you know it's called the song, the hit that just won't die? The Killers, Mr. Brightside has set a new chart record after spending 200 and. 60 weeks or five years in the UK's top 100. Has it seriously been in the top 100 the whole time? Near enough. Yeah, five years apparently. Over the past five years, sorry. 260 weeks. That's fucking insane. No other song comes close. What do you reckon the second longest running chart hit is? Ooh, what lengthwise or song? I say, what song do you reckon is in second place for being the longest in the UK top 100? Is this like a consecutive run of time or like it's gone in and out over a certain amount of time? And I think it's consecutive, so it has, has never fallen out. Oh, fuck. It's quite a popular track. I know it's quite hard to be like, out of the, the billions think, yeah. of songs that exist. I haven't got a bloody clue. Okay. Really? Like Hit me one more time. I don't fucking know. This song racked up 166 weeks in the countdown. So Mr. Brightside has almost beaten it by 100 weeks. Jesus. It was Snow Patrol's Chasing Cars. Another fucking indie song. What is with indie songs and charts? To be fair, dude, Chasing Cars is a great track. Great I, do, I do quite like that one, to be fair. Yeah. Mr. Brightside is streamed 1.2 million times a week on average. And it has sold 3.52 million copies since its release, first released in 2003 when it didn't chart at all. That's mental. Not bad for a song that only reached number 10 in the top 40 when it's released in 2004. It is like you put that on in a Weatherspoons or a Lloyd's Bar or whatever, and every fucker will go mental for it. Yeah. I don't get it. 
I, I used to absolutely love that track. It's so overplayed now, but I used to yeah. absolutely love when it's first released. It's like, bloody hell, this song's amazing. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I find his voice really annoying for some reason. That's fair <clears> enough. <throat> it's not for everyone at the end of the day, but like that album, Hot Fuss, is fantastic. Fair enough. I've um, so. never been but, my sort of thing. But then I just, the same with indie bands, is always like, I like a couple of tracks, but then not interested anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the first album, Hot Fuss, is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Where did that random factoid come from? <laughs> because I was just scrolling, I think it was on Facebook or maybe a news story that came up and just went, Mr. Brightside's still in the, in the top 100. Like, really? It came out 15 years ago. So I thought I'd have a research, have a look. And I was like, well, fuck, that's going to be on the podcast on Tuesday night. That's mental in itself, the fact that song was released 15 years ago. I remember being sat in my mum's house in Temple Close with the music channels on, and it was an exclusive, and it came on, and I just went, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> That's mad. So I, I recorded it on VHS and watched it over and over again. Fucking hell. Them of the days, then you could record your favourite songs on music TV. Like, it's what I used to do back at the... When I was growing up, I used to get Skurs Kerrang! or MTV2, whatever. I'd LP rock when that existed. I had a VHS pit. I'd whack it in and just record shitloads of music videos, and I used to watch it over and over and over again. I think I used to do something like that as well, to be fair. Amazing scenes. I used to love every single second of it. I don't remember P-Rock, though. P-Rock was like classics like Rancid, Whitmore, uh, Not Katie's, like Gutter Mouth, like loads of really old school punk bands from like the 90s. The Atari. No, I don't remember that channel. Tsunami Bomb. Uh, but yeah, just loads of uh, really old school. That's how I got into loads of like old school punk. Like old offspring, old blink, like dude ranch, that sort of that sort of time. Cheshire Cat, not like all the mainstream popular stuff. Do music channels even still exist anymore? Kerrang! Still, Scuzz is gone. Scuzz is gone. Scuzz is gone. Scuzz went ages ago. Um, I know P Rock went years ago. I think Kerrang! Still around, but there's not a lot now. Like the Box and Kiss and Smash Hit still exist. I think. I remember the Box and you used to have to text in your requests. It gives you a number to pick from. <laughs> Yeah, Those absolutely. Days. Those were the days, mate. Yeah, Those the days before before Spotify. Yeah, before iTunes existed. When you could go um, on Kerrang and hear Gay Barbar Electric Six at least five times an hour. Those are yeah. the days. <laughs> I mean, now it's terrible. I can only imagine. Kerrang is poor now. Because most bands but, don't even release many music videos these days, and so much just with the old songs repeating all the time. Those are the days, mate. I used to love a Monday morning on Kerrang! Oscars when they release all the new stuff. Absolutely oh, so good. Those were the days. Those were the days, mate. Like when Linkin Park, Somewhere I Belong came out, you're like, oh my God, this is incredible. Followed by like Papa Roach time and time again. And then you're like, oh, this is a, just tune after tune. I just love it. Those were, those were the days, boys. Oh. I'll never forget some of those music videos seen for the first time. My mate Rich basically memorized the entire I say dance from Between Angels and Insects by Papa Roach. He used to walk down the road, you know, the, no. <laughs> doing really? all that shit. Yeah, it was fucking brilliant. There was a dance to it? Yeah, I can't remember the bit in the song now, but he'd start doing this shit like kicking his legs back and doing his arms. And my mate Rich just did it all the time. I like air drumming to Between Angels and Insects. They're after the first little start bit, after Jacoby, st- when it kicks in, yeah, 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 I could do, the, I could do the air drum into that. I couldn't play it properly, <laughs> but like I could hit all the symbols properly and stuff like that. <laughs> so good, so much fun. Do you know what I'm gonna do after this? I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it on my TV. Yeah, watch the video. Do. Yeah, and just Go air check. drum to it. Go check out Jacoby's dancing. 
Yeah, I'm going to see what the <laughs> fuck you're on about now as well. Amazing. Uh, did you have any more factoids before we uh, open that book of yours? No, I think we should have a word from our sponsor. You bastard! <laughs> oh, my brothers, have you seen this beautiful website? Yes, Rewind, I have. We want, we'd like to thank our friends, uh, the Web Watchers and Pete White, for this illustrious new website they have created us. Wait, wait, there's a website? Yes, there is previous, www.usucknetwork.com. It's incredible. So we want to say a massive thank you to The Web Orchard. So go find them, The Web Orchard, on all social medias, or just head to www.theweborchard.com for all your website needs. Oh, my brothers. It's beautiful. Let's get back to this week's episode. (laughs) I had it planned when I was going to do it. I was going to get you back and fucking beat me to it. <laughs> I mean, everyone go check out Web Orchard. Make great websites. Please go check out our website, www.usucknetwork.com. Made by the Web Orchard. Thank you, Pete White. Yeah, cheers, mate. Um, so Callum's been treaching us again. Oh, I do love Callum's treachings. He's, he's, he's brought the treble treach this week. The treble treach. That's a treble treach. Thank you, mate. He's going to love that when he listens back to this, hopefully. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, he'd be like, edit that out, you fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> so what is Callum treating us today? Someone somewhere in the world has eaten the most mayonnaise, and they probably don't even know it. Sam? That's a wonderful point, but I know the answer. The answer's Sam, yeah. My son yep. Sam, that's the answer. He has eaten the world's most amount of mayonnaise, without doubt. Do you reckon we should have researched it and actually found out who has? I wonder if there, I wonder if he is like recorded anywhere. But the problem is, if I find that answer, Sam's going to find that as a challenge, and we'll try and beat it. Well, there you go then. There's a use of vlog for you. Yeah, because the last time they stayed before this time, I brought another tub of mayonnaise because I knew he'd get from it, and he polished a lot off in about two, possibly three days. Isn't that worrying? A little bit, but but kid loves mayonnaise. Hell, I made him mayonnaise ice cream once. Kid loves mayonnaise. That's just. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> what else is Callum treating this week? Have you ever realised there's a D in fridge, but not in refrigerator? Yeah, did you know that? He's fucking right, isn't he? Yeah, it's fucking... How, I don't know how he comes up with this shit, but that's mental. Why is there a random D in fridge? I don't... Is this because the word... That's just where edge... Oh, it's not edge, it's edge, isn't it? Yeah. But refrigerate... I don't, I, I don't know. I love these treachings, but they leave me in a terrible position for podcasting because I don't talk and I just sit here thinking, going, it's fucking right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, yeah. tre- he's treaching the listeners as well. He's treaching everybody out there, you know. If someone has an answer to this, this one I definitely need to know. Why is there a... Why? The English language, mate. It's a, it's a no, beautiful thing. No wonder it's one of the hardest languages to learn. Well, yeah. And finally. So everyone knows that cows can't go downstairs, but they can go up. What do you think the first bloke who took a cow up some stairs thought when he couldn't get them back down? <laughs> I want to know how that fact was discovered in the first place. Well, obviously, somebody took a cow up the stairs. Why would you take a cow up the stairs? Well, why wouldn't you? Well, I suppose. Maybe he was married to it, or... <laughs> that was the first place your mind went, oh, maybe he married the cow. Yeah, maybe he was trying to, you know, have some sweet lovings <laughs> with said cow, and then was like, we better go make some dinner. And to Cal not... the marriage. And they get out. Just get out of here. <laughs> the door the door's over there. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Is this the shit I have to put up with on a weekly basis? Yeah, and you fucking love it because you come back every week. This is very true. Yeah. But I reckon they went to consummate the marriage and then they went downstairs to get some dinner and were like, (laughs) fuck. Love, love, can you, are you right? Can you get down or? Daisy, Daisy, that was amazing. Let's go get some lovely grass. Why uh, why is every cow called Daisy? (laughs) I don't know. It's not why are all pigs called Percy? It's just one of the things. We haven't started the journal yet, and I'm already fucking <laughs> off on the time. I know. Like, what? I it's so I, weird I how every animal's got, like, a name. Yeah. Like, know. that's associated with that creature from, like, school. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, my, mine's associated with cats. Yes. Which is just nuts. That's a very good point, Cal. I wonder what that person did think. Like, how did that person get it back down the stairs? I'm assuming he probably just tipped her. Just fucking pushed him. Get your ass down there. That'd be my that'd be my thought. Nice impression. I like it. <laughs> that was my impression of a California down the stairs. So that was Callum's treachings for the week. Thank you very much, Callum. We do enjoy those on a weekly. It always gets us thinking. But you are right. We're always sitting there for podcasts and we go, holy fuck, yeah. What <laughs> Rather than actually like, oh, the answer is blah 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 blah. We just go, what the fuck is he doing there? Callum, you have a beautiful mind, sir. <laughs> we do, and that's why I got to bring his treachings to the world. This is very true. It deserves to be heard. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 25th edition of Tom's Journal. So, are you fucking prepared for this? You gotta strap yourself in. The strap is on. Seatbelts in, okay. Yeah, seatbelts in sounds better. Weirdly, right, the first thing, when we go back to the music video thing, do you remember we used to burn CDs? Oh, yeah. All the time. All those line wire days, boys. Oh, All those... yeah. Was that one called Kazar, Live Kazar. Wire, and Napster? Because I never used... Boys. Napster always confused the fuck out of me. Kazar was the one I went through all the time. Oh, yeah. I remember it well. I used to be like, he's used to hear us. Like I said, so going back to the mid house, you go, that song's amazing. Write it down. Yeah. <laughs> go on, go and download it. And then you go and download it, and it'd be like a weird title. And then it ended up being hardcore porn. Yeah. Yeah. Or a virus. Or a virus. <laughs> or both in one. <laughs> so I still have a lot of my burnt CDs. I'd never bothered buying the real ones. I just kept them. They work. Fuck it. Really? Yeah. I started making um, compilation albums for my sister for her birthdays every year of like the songs we used to listen to growing up and when we used to go out in Sheffield and stuff years ago. Um, and she absolutely loves them. I don't know if she still, I think she still has them in her car, but That's um, amazing. awkwardly Lost Profits on the very first one before Ooh. the, before that came out. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think that's, on, I don't think that gets listened to anymore. Like it's skipped now. Um, a really weird moment happened when I was walking down my road um, and a parcel force man knocked on a door to deliver a package. So as he did, he walked back into the house bit so I could walk past him. I got further down the road and the parcel force man walked past me to deliver a parcel to the door. And I was like, the fuck? Because he never came past me. It was the same guy. I was just like, what the... It was so <laughs> weird. It was literally like deja vu. So he lit- so towards so where I am because I live on quite a fucking long road yeah so it's a bit further down he walked into a house to deliver a package I just walked past later on down the road so this is about what a minute or two later 
I was walking past and he, he walked the exact same way into another house and it just blew my fucking mind because I didn't see him go past me. He didn't drive past me. How the fuck did he get there faster than I was walking when he was stood still back up there? It really blew my mind. I was just like, this is insane. Did he cross over and walk up the other side of the road? Well, he kind of walked faster than me. He was a lot old. Not, I'm not trying to be horrible, but he was like... <laughs> he was a fucking bit old, old and decrepit. He's a bit older than me. He must have driven down the road, parked on the other side. I must. I wasn't, wasn't paying attention, but it was really weird. It was like a magic trick. That would have probably really freaked me the hell out as well. Yeah, it's just the same dude, really. walked the same way, same package in his hand, just to a different house. I can just yeah. picture you being really freaked out and be like, what, what, what? It literally blew my mind. I'm not, I'm not lying. I was like, this is freaking me out because it's the same person doing the same thing to deliver to a different house. Like, what? Because <laughs> people are like, yeah, but he obviously drove, yeah, obviously he drove down, but I didn't see the drive. I didn't see him get out. I didn't see, I just literally saw the exact same moment just further down the road. It was just so weird. So anyway, um, Oh, well, I remember the live from back last year when Alex had to work out pet peeves. But this is one of my pet peeves. And it this just frustrated me even further. It's like added to my pet peeve this. Why, when people slow walk in front of you, always pick up the pace and match yours when you're trying to get around them? Why do people do that? I know exactly what you mean. Do they do? It's like they know you're trying to hurry up and get past them. This dude was proper walking really slowly. So I was like, fuck, I hate that anyway. So I was like, right, I'm going to go around it. So I started to pick up and go around. As I went around, he started levelling me. Like he was matching me. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> it was like um, like the racing they do with the cars. You know, you like you look at someone like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to fucking these traffic lights. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it was like walking out. I was just like, why? What? Eh? <laughs> he must have, before that, he must have just thought, I'm not going to let him go past me. Dick. So unnecessary. Um, oh my God, this, you'll find this funny. At least I hope you do. Because I, yeah, I'll tell you. Anyway, I was at a train station on Friday going to see Christina. And a girl came to the train, but she had like 60 bags and a massive fuck-off suitcase. So I thought, I know what I'll do here. I'll give her a hand. So she like got onto the train and I was like, would you like to lift your suitcase? She's like, oh, yes, please. So she got on all of her fucking carriers and her handbag and shit, got on the train. I lifted the suitcase. Went. It was fucking heavy. I think she must have been going home or something from uni. It was ridiculously heavy. I picked it up. As I picked it up, the doors went. Dee, 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 dee. And I was like, "Oh fuck!" So I like really quickly had to like throw it on, got it on, pushed it, and as I pushed it, the door started to close. I was like, oh, "Fuck!" Um, so yeah, as soon as I started to put it on, the door started to beep and shut. I absolutely shit myself. <laughs> I just got this image of you trapped in the door, like. <laughs> but literally, I was like, "Oh, I could help you. It's no problem." So she stood back. I picked it up and I was like, fuck me, that's heavy. And as I said, it's heavy, the door started to beep. And I was like, shit, because it's they're quite quick at closing as well. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, fuck. So I threw it on. And as I threw it, I moved my hand away as the door shut. I was like... <gasps> Did you manage I to just... open them again for you to get on? Or... It wasn't my train. Oh, oh, okay. But she was at the window like, thank you. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Bless her. 
But you can see, the, like, the absolute horror in my face as the, the, the door started to beep. Like, fuck. The good fucking job you did help, otherwise that would have been stuck on the platform. Yep. Jesus. Um, I've never understood this. Why do cars stop in the middle of the main road to let you cross? No, I don't get that one either. Just keep going. I really appreciate it. This guy stopped, and I was like... And he was like, are oh, you going then? I was like, it's a main fucking road. There's people like like slamming their brakes on shit. I was like, what, what the fuck are you doing? I'm waiting for a quiet moment, mate. I know I shouldn't cross yeah. here. I appreciate it, but still. <laughs> so, and he got really pissed off at me. I was just like, you shouldn't be stopping anyway, you fool. So he's like, you've got manners, but I'm angry at you for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, pet peeve again. This happened literally after the car incident. Why did people stop in shop doorways? Or just stand there in the door. Well, they, they walk out of the door and stand in front of it. Oh, and you can't, yeah, that. And you can't get in. Like, what, yeah. what are you doing? Especially in a moment like now where we're not supposed to be going near each other. Fucking move. I was just like, I was like, I guess I'll squeeze past you then. I was at Asda on Saturday. Dude, the lowest hand dryers I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> not where I expected this to go. Right, what? Like, I'm not joking. I had to almost get like onto my knees. To dry your hands. To dry my hands. I might as well just let down. <laughs> it was it was ridiculously low. I was like, holy f-. It was literally like knee height. It's like, I'm going to have to get down for this. Um, Where was this, sorry? Asda. No one social distanced. Nobody. No, no they don't. And the soap, the soap never came off my hands. I was washing my hands in soap, watered them, and then they were still, still covered in soap. Like, what the fuck? Weird. That is a bizarre Asda. <laughs> It was a very bizarre Asda. Did you know Mitsubishi's do hand dryers as well? No, neither did I. No, no, no. Not very Mitsubishi. good ones, by the way. Mitsubishi do hand dryers. I was just like, huh? Weird. It just blew my mind a little bit. I didn't resonate anything other than cars. <laughs> they probably do loads of stuff, and I have no fucking idea what I'm on about. Um, why is it? that when you eat pasta or any sort of food that you can't really stab very well, it, when it teeters on a fork or a spoon or on bread, you always miss your mouth as you're about to eat it. <laughs> peas. Peas are fucking worse for that. Peas are awful, yeah. I've got a fork full of peas. I've got one pea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you literally just like throw it all over the floor. Like, <laughs> but it's, you're about, you literally, you, you've spent all that time as steady as possible, all that time, then you bring it forward to your face, all that steady, oh, look at that, look at this. Precision, absolute precision. You get to your mouth and tip it everywhere, yeah. all over the floor. You're like, ah, oh, right. <laughs> it just happened to me, that's all over the weekend. And it also brings me to filling up an ice cube tray full of water and then transporting it to the freezer. It's absolutely treacherous. It is the most terrifying thing you will ever <laughs> do. <laughs> and your freezer is always miles away from your sink. How do I know? Because I did it yesterday. Did you actually? Yeah. <laughs> but my sink is right next to the freezer. And even then I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, fuck. It, feels, it feels like it's miles away. Worse, if you forget shit, shit, to, shit, shit. If you forget to pre-open the freezer, then that's just game over. A uh, couple more. <laughs> when rolling down the hill... You think you've gone absolutely miles when realistically you've got about three yards. When you do that thing where you lie on your side and roll there. 
Yeah, so I'm saying, yeah, we used yeah, to roll yeah, up yeah. hills. Yeah. And you think you've gone for miles because you were rolling for so fast. And you think, yeah, I've gone there. And you're so dizzy and you want to be sick. And literally the person's like there. Yeah. And you're there. Before you lie down, you're like, I'm going to be going forever. This is the biggest hill ever. You stand up, like, I'm at the bottom and I'm not even halfway down. What the fuck? Yeah. Yep. Oh, jo- John's only there. Yeah. Just ne- no. so and you always weird. go sideways. I've never got that. What? Oh, yeah, you always go off. Yeah, 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 you do, yeah. yeah. You, you always think you go straight down, but no, you go... <laughs> End up back at the top again. <laughs> <laughs> like a human boomerang. <laughs> and finally... It's going back to pooing again. I'm so sorry. Oh, yes. We love a bit of fecal matter on the show. In the, to- in the toilets today, just enjoying myself, you know, sat there chilling whilst doing my business. A dude, I heard this guy in the, in the cubicle next to me go, <sighs> then he did everything he needs to do. He came out and just went, screamed <laughs> <laughs> randomly. Just like, oh, what the fuck is going on here? What? what? Washed his hands, did the dryer, walked to the door, and stopped. There was a notice because the door didn't open or make a noise. So I was like, what is this dude doing? Then went, <sighs> and then he left. Someone's having a bad day at the office. It's just a, it's just a random scream. I was just like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> so you find out it was actually the bank manager, and he's just had enough of a day. <laughs> and that was the 25th edition. Of Tom's journal. That was glorious. That was lengthy and glorious. You enjoyed that one, yeah? Yes. And I made a conscious effort to not do my silent laugh anymore. I hope it worked. Yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, there wasn't a lot. Beautiful. There was one more in there, but I'm saving that for next week. Oh, okay. So, uh, just so that I've got some stuff for the journal for next week. Hey. Incredible. We like saving shit, so. We do. Well, shall we uh, get on to the PS de la Resistance? So, ladies and gentlemen, this week it's Mr. Paul Rugg. Uh, first and foremost, I want to massively apologise uh, on behalf of myself for the fact that my internet decided halfway through the interview to just stop. Just say, you know what? You know what? It's an important interview Tom's doing. I think I better just completely stop working. Um, so, I actually am not in uh, the last 15 minutes or so of this interview. I made it back for the last 10. Um, but my internet didn't work. So half the interview, I actually cut out and I'm not there anymore. So Paul, I'm so sorry. Again, I, I know you said you never forgive me, but one day, <laughs> one day, I know you will. Um, I just had to mow my lawn, all right? I had to mow my lawn at night in the dark. It just had to be done. Know? As I hadn't got a lawn and it was 8.45 at night. But still, um, I just want to apologise for the fact that I dipped out and I didn't mean to. So please forgive me for that. Other than that, thank you so much, for being such an, a true gentleman, a hero, and a legend. You were absolutely hilarious, and we love talking to you. What an absolute legend of a man this guy was. Like, We didn't really know what to expect going into this, but we were just like, this was so fucking fun. You always find the ones where you, you're like, I don't want to say you're unsure, but you know, you're just not really sure how you're going to vibe with the guest, and they always end up being like, Ron was the same. They were like, how's this going to go? And we went to like, I think we've got a new best friend. But <laughs> It is fucking glorious. Guys, if you're fans of Animaniacs, Freakazoid, Earth to Ned, anything along those lines, you are going to absolutely love this interview. Paul is uh, one of the writers and voice actors uh, from all shows. So, uh, yeah. Jamie, have you got anything else you want to add before we uh, delve? 
No, just I will say with regards to Tom cutting out, I'm wondering if when you listen to this back, you can like pinpoint the moment where I have to start pushing the poo back up my bum because my backup has disappeared and I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing an interview on my own. Oh my God, I'm doing an interview on my own. Nice use of my joke there. You're welcome to that one. So anyway. (laughs) It wasn't that bad. I'm sure you absolutely slayed it. The interview was in full full flow by then. So Yeah, it was just still a little bit nerve-wracking. I was like, oh shit, I'm on my own. So... Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week is a writer, a voice actor, and a puppeteer amongst Animaniacs, Freakazoid, Earth and Ed, plus many, many more. It's Paul Ruggah. Ladies and gents, today's guest is a one of a kind and a man whose talents have helped contribute to so many of our favourite shows as a kid. Most notably helping write the legendary Animaniacs and bring into life the hero simply known as Freakazoid. Today he can be found hosting his own Disney Plus show as Ned in Earth to Ned. He's an actor, a writer, a puppeteer and an all over awesome dude. Please everyone welcome to Usuk Chronicles, Mr. Paul Rugg. Wow, that was very, wow. You know, I actually, I... I... I want you to like write all that down and, and email it to me. I'm going to put that in my bio. That's <laughs> that was all like, I was like, Hey, you know what? That that's who is that guy? He sounds amazing. So yeah. So I want, I want every piece of that. Lovely. Well, I love we got... how well over my intro is going. It's great. <laughs> do a good job. Seth. do a good job. Paul, yeah. how, how yes. has the last year been my friend? How's the last year been? Uh, uh, it's been, I think, like er- everyone else. Um, let's move on to 2024. Um, <laughs> uh, let's just sort of forget this all happened, and um, you know, yeah. But uh, yeah, just like everyone else, uh, unpleasant. And uh, luckily, we finished Earth to Ned uh, back in December of uh, 2019, so we weren't affected by that. Um, Good. But I was doing uh, I was doing a sketch comedy show. I was sort of helping out uh, this comedy group in Provo, Utah. Um, they have a they have a show, and and um, we were just getting ready to do a show in front of like three hundred people and um, on a on a weekly basis. And then it was like, nope, you're not going to do that. And so doing sketch comedy for no one and filming it, we did it, but. Um, man just an audience it's i mean just like everybody else you're like oh whatever so yeah moving on <laughs> i guess <laughs> did you um i mean that was, that was quite weird wasn't it to like perform in front of nobody yeah and then and then it sort of forced us um uh, uh or they wanted the company behind it was like you know we really need to it needs to appear as this was in front of an audience so let's do a laugh track. And what's amazing to me is the, the lost art of the laugh track. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. when I was a kid, laugh tracks were all over the, the place, whether you liked it or not. Um, but I think that skill, like to, to go in and, and place laughs within something, something is, a is an art form that, uh, that I, I, you know, and I know a lot of other people have had to throw in laugh tracks and stuff, but, um, yeah, unpleasant. I don't like them. Uh, I see their use from time to time, but yeah, blech. yeah. <laughs> can't say I blame you. To be fair, it must be yeah. so weird going back over and over again. Yeah. Everything so you just they don't find them funny after about the second or third time round. 
this yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we should put one in there but now I feel weird now, is that funny anymore and uh, yeah. what's going on so yeah, yeah. Kind of Plus, much I, I think for me p- p- part of my thought is that because these are recorded laughs is a very good chance that most of these people are dead do you know what I mean <laughs> it's like and it's like, you know, I think, I think, because they could have been recorded from the 60s, for all I know. It's like, there's a very good chance most of these people are now just no longer with us. And it, it added a little spice of irony to that. But anyway, yeah. Did you not have like, um, I'm trying to think, like different varieties of laugh tracks, so like, ha, huh, ha. Huh. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had, we had the whole gamut and, and, you know, and button, and it was just, I don't like it. Sorry. Yeah, I'm no. done. <laughs> I don't, don't have to apologize to us. It's all good. But um, so obviously you've still been working during that time then. Did you have any yeah. time, like, not like furlough necessarily, but time to like learn a new skill or teach yourself anything new during the whole lockdown? Um, uh, gosh, no, no. Uh, I've, well, I've watched 2001, A Space Odyssey, I mean, more times than I can possibly tell you because that's <laughs> sort of my go go to. Well, I guess we don't have a thing today. Honey, I'll be in the bedroom watching 2001. Um, <laughs> Because Kubrick was trying to communicate something to me, and I'm going to find out what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's sort of. Uh, uh, but no, I didn't. I didn't learn a skill. I should have. I shouldn't have wasted so much time on 2001. But, um, but it's going to come in handy one day. I just know it. So you're not find out what he's trying to tell you yet, then? Uh, that he was like really brilliant, and no one will ever come close. I think that's basically what I always get at. Kubrick for me is is like it's fascinating. I I saw two thousand one in when I was a kid. My parents took me in nineteen I forget when it came out nineteen sixty eight or something. And um, we sat in the very front row, and this movie unspooled. And I when we all you know stood up, my parents were like, man, that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. That was. <laughs> Son, we're very sorry that we and I was like, wow, this wild monkeys in space. And um, uh, uh, I'm just I, I think it's because I, I was a kid. But that that movie for me is like it is just the most incredible thing. And I think in watching, you know, The, the Shining or Dr. Strangelove or, you know, other movies he, he did. Um, yeah. Kubrick is my go to whatever. So anyway, you probably didn't want to talk about Kubrick, but I love talking about Kubrick. That's fine. Don't worry about it. We can talk about whatever the hell you want, Paul. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Excellent. So take us back. How how did this all start for you? Was the plan to be an actor or a writer or something entirely different? Because you do so many different things. What was the original plan? Uh, uh, There was no plan, which is is sort of like the, um, sort of been my style. yeah, I graduated college and then um, I got like a management job at a at a talk radio company and I was the worst. I was like, I think I was production manager and I was the worst at it because I didn't care. Um, <laughs> so uh, it was terrible. It was like, did you record that copy for that uh, affiliate in, um, you know, Wisconsin? And I was like, wait, oh, no, I didn't. Anyway, so that was sort of the story. <laughs> That was sort of the, you know, it was a very bad job to have uh, right after college because, um, and then I joined a sketch comedy group called the LA Connection. And, and what's amazing about the LA Connection, it's an improv group in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. And 
virtually everyone went through the LA connection at that time. That was sort of the mid eighties, like everyone. Um, and learned virtually nothing. Um, and, uh, and as, and then uh, a friend of mine, um, Adam Carolla, I don't know if you know Adam Carolla. Adam is, um, yeah, I know of Adam Carolla. Yeah. yeah. Adam's a podcaster here. So, uh, I joined, uh, group with him uh it was a just starting out a, a sketch comedy slash improv group called the acme players uh in north hollywood and uh had a great time like honing sketches putting it in front of an audience seeing what they laughed at seeing what they didn't laugh at and just at that time they were coming up with animaniacs so um they sort of visited the different clubs and um because they decided they want they wanted Animanex to have a very sketchy, very like, you know, boom, 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 boom uh, way of writing. So they gave me a sample script. They gave John McCann, who was also in the group, a sample uh, uh, script. We turned them in and then um, offered us jobs. And that was so, so that was my first like real job job where it's like you walk in and people go, good morning. And do you like coffee? And uh, <laughs> we hope we hope that script is going to be finished by Friday. And you're like, well, okay, I guess it will be. And, um, <laughs> uh, and by the way, Steven Spielberg is, is executive producer. And you're like, I'm sorry, who? Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was awesome. You know, I can't, uh, it's so hard to um, quantify how great Anime X was. I mean, I'm so glad that it turned out great, but just in making it, it was kind of the last times in the 90 where it was like uh, everybody from the company on down, they just were like, whatever it takes to have a great show and, uh, and to make Steven happy. Um, you know, and we would walk around the office, well, I hope Steven reads my script. Uh, and, um, <laughs> you know, we were just all very, it really pump, pumped us up to really do a great, great job. And, um, and, from that, I've learned a lot, which is, I think when we did Animaniacs, we had our, our the creator of the show, Tom Ruger, who is a brilliant guy, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And we sort of worked for him, and then he would send the scripts to Steven. That was the chain of command. It was simple. It was, it, it was easy. Shows I've done since, you know, you've got middle management, you've got Pete, you know, down there who handles this and Pete reads your script. And then there's, you know, Sandra, who's, uh, uh, Sandra's great at this. She, she likes to read Pete's notes. And then, so you got Sandra reading Pete's notes and it's like all these people it goes through then. And it's like, we didn't have any of that. It was just like, it was like, you would, you, you wrote it. Stephen went, yeah, I, I, that's fun. Um, or yeah, I don't think we want to make that one. And then you sort of move, move on. But, um, but nowadays, you know, having sort of been through the ringer, it just doesn't work like that. You've got so many people involved in your business of, of just writing something, something silly. And I think, and if we had that on an Animaniacs, Freakazoid was even better because I don't think anyone really liked Freakazoid. Uh, Steven lo loved it, which was which was great. But the WB, which was our first network that we were like written for, uh, the the WB, they they kind of hated it, and and we know they hated it because they kind of said, "We hate this," and so <laughs> we're like, 
We're like, okay, well, then I guess you guys hate it. Um, but Stephen liked it, and we were having a great time. And pretty soon, they just didn't give us notes anymore. It was just, just like, eh, whatever. And we just started doing our own our own thing. Um, so we had Stephen really digging it. You know, he would he would call us or he would text and say, "Man, I don't know what this show is, but it's the stupidest thing, and I I love it." And we'd be like, "Okay." So um, yeah, so the, the that time at Warner Brothers, I would say from like 90, 92 to when I left in ninety seven was uh, yeah just amazing and magical and great and wonderful. So yeah, I don't think I answer your question, but I sort of <laughs> I think I think you answered about six of my questions without even knowing okay. it. Don't worry about it. All right, because I just I just went went off. All right, I'm done. We love it. No, we love it. Well, that's what we want. We don't. Okay. People listen to us enough. They don't want to hear from you. So, <laughs> yeah, um, cool. I mean, so when obviously the writing process, everything, did you get people being like, this is an idea we have, run with it? Yeah. Or was it like, yeah, go nuts? Um, for Animaniacs, so it, it, it would start with we would meet with uh, Tom and Sherry Stoner, uh, who is the story editor. We'd sort of go in his office and just sort of go, hey, I have this idea for a. Uh, like one of mine was um, they meet Einstein and they try to sell him, you know, Boy Scout, Girl Scout cookies or whatever. And, and that was the thread of it. And then it was like, great, you have a week. And, oh, um, and that was it. And in the old, so the way it works now is you go, I have an idea where the, you know, the anim, the Yakawaka dot want to meet uh, Einstein. It was like, great. If you could put that in a paragraph for us, we would love to see it. So then you're like, well, all right, fine. So blah, blah, blah. And you write this paragraph and then you hand it in. And then three days later, they go, great. If you could make an outline of what that is and you're like, uh, okay. So then you do like a page. And so that's the way it works now. Back in the day, it, it was like, go, fine. They meet Einstein and you had no, you really, we had no idea and we all wrote in individually. We didn't write as teams or anything and we would bump into each other's office. You, you had a week and you had to make the idea work. And the great thing about that is, is uh, because you're not working off an outline, because you're not working off of a premise or anything, you're just sort, sort of going, it goes wherever you woke up that day, decided it would go. Yeah. Um, you didn't have to follow. Well, I told him it was going to be, I told him it was going to be this. So I got to do, do that. Um, I can't tell you how many Animaniac scripts I'd get six pages into. And they were generally about 12 or 13, 14 pages. You know, you get six pages in, you go, man, I hate this. And you'd go, or I would just say, fine. And I would start over, um, and write some, something else. Um, so yeah, so that was sort of the process. It was just, just boom, go right and come back, uh, and hopefully it'll it's good. So yeah. So it, like I was saying about the animes, it's such a wacky show and it's so unique. I don't think there's anything like it before or since. You know, right. how was that show pitched to you? Um. So it was. They sent over back in the day. Uh, when you were trying to get a writing staff, you would send over what they call the Bible. And the Bible is like, let's say 50 pages of, I mean, a stack of pages of here are the characters, here's what we think their catchphrases are, 
just a lot of blah, 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 right? Uh, but, and I was like, boy, I don't, I really understand this. But then there was something in it that I went, okay, I get it. And it, 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 and it, it, it said, basically, these characters are the Marx Brothers. And I was like, okay, done. So I get, I, I'm a big fan of like Groucho and, and all that. Um, their movies are amazing. So for me, that, that was the end. It was like, great. So Yakko is Groucho. Um, Wacko is Harpo, who hardly ever talks. And Dot is um, Arto, uh, Chico, I think. Um, oh, up. boy. Yeah, one of them. Someone well, yeah. look it up. But um, that, that was it. And if, 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 if you ever watch, like, Not at the Opera, Duck Soup, A Day at, Day at the Races, if you watch those old Marx Brothers from the, from the 30s, um, that's basically the wellspring from, from where the Yakawaka dot sprung, sprung from. So with the, with the writing, obviously we briefly touched on it then. Was it a case of, you know, you all write whatever you want to write, or it's a case of, right, you you work on wacko skits, you work on pink in the brain skits, you work on this um, uh At the beginning, we were all sort of assigned to Yakawaka dot. Uh, but then, so so Peter Hastings, uh, who's a, an, an amazing writer, he he no one had tackled Pink in the Brain yet. No one had touched them. So Peter went off, and uh, he sort of in that first script, which is called Win Big, which is a whole uh, where they go on Jeopardy, uh, or it's, mm. I think it was called Jip Parody. Uh, it it was in that first script that basically Peter figured everything out about about pink in the brain. Uh, Gee, Brian, are you thinking what I'm th thinking? That's the first iteration of that, of that joke. Um, what are we doing tonight, uh, brain? The same thing we do every night, Pinky trying to take over the world. And it's that, uh, so then Peter became the pinky in the brain guy. So he was sort of moved off into that. Uh, Deanna Oliver, she sort of really loved writing The Good Feathers, which was our sort of take on, you know, The Good Feathers and Casino. So she sort of became that. Uh, Sherry Stoner sort of moved into uh, Slappy Squirrel. Uh, myself, John McCann, we sort of were given, like my, my main task was Yakko Dot. That's, that's sort of what I did. Um, and then Randy Rogel, who did all of our songs and stuff. He was always in a corner of the, of the building with his piano, you know, always going, that's, you know, and we're like, okay, Randy, enough with the songs. Stop with the songs. Um, United States, Canada, go Mexico, we got it. It's good um, to say that must've been a nightmare to listen to going on. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, but it was, it was like a zoo. It was a zoo and we would be, and we were also, our office at that time was uh, in Sherman Oaks uh, at the world famous Sherman Oaks Galleria, which is which was the epitome of like where the Valley Girl came from, and and um, so our our we were on like the eleventh floor, and for lunch we would just go down to the to the mall. We would just you know take the elevator down, and now we're in the the mall, and I think that really helped us uh, because we were confronted with pop culture and all you know ev everything going on. Um, and so, yeah, that's, yeah. So that, that's sort of the, uh, that's how we were broken up. It's pretty cool. But with the humor in the Animaniacs as well, it's, there's so much adult 
I know it wasn't intended as adult content, but you know, when you look back now, it's <laughs> was that an intention to have those jokes for the parents in there, or was it just a we're just going to write what we find funny? Kids are like it, it's cartoon. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was the latter, it, it was um, like none of us, none of us wanted to work, write a kid show, right? So it was like what we wanted to do was make each other laugh, um, and uh, it, but with the idea that, you know, kids are going to have to understand this. But I will say that Animaniacs carries the Warner Brother tradition, which is, um, if you look at the old Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, all, all those, those cartoons were actually produced at a time during World War II, where cartoons were actually shown before movies like Casablanca, right? So if, if, if you were to go see Casablanca, you know, a very serious, you know, film, generally, if it was a Warner Brothers movie, there was always a Warner Brothers cartoon in front of it, uh, not geared towards kids, but geared towards an adult or teen audience. Um, and I think that Animaniacs just sort of like if you look at Disney and trust me, I love Disney. They're they're paying my bills right now. But <laughs> Disney, please. Could we just delete all the rest of it? No, no. Uh, Disney, <laughs> Di- Disney at that time was much more, you know, kids and and you know, Mickey Mouse and stuff. And and I think Warner Brothers was sort of an a much more in-your-face answer to that I- idea. You know, um, Daffy getting his bill blown off, you know, repeatedly. Um, if you look at those old cartoons, they are, um, and there's nothing offensive in it at at all, but they are definitely dealing with uh, adult themes. Um, So I think Animania, this is a very long-winded way. This is my very long-winded way of sort of getting to your uh, question, which is we wrote them for ourselves, understanding that we could never leave the kid out. Um, Mm. But we definitely wanted to make ourselves ourselves laugh. And um, uh, it, I'll just go one more thing about what the Warner's way is. So if you have a, if you have a group of kids sitting on a couch, the, the Warner Brothers way is, is let's say you a three-year-old, a six-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 17-year-old. The Warner Brothers idea is that the 17-year-old will laugh at something. And all the younger kids, will turn and look and go, why was that funny? And then they'll be told, well, that's funny because. So it's sort of like is an education in comedy. That, that's sort of the Warner Brothers way. Um, and unfortunately, I think children's television has become not that, which is like you, you are directly dealing with that four-year-old and you will, you, yeah. you're, only, you're only giving that four-year-old what that four-year-old can uh, understand, which is rather than sort of like the rich tapestry of comedy. So that's, yeah, there, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. And I'm, <laughs> I mean, I think, do you think Animaniacs would stand up now from, because the culture now obviously is people seem to get offended by nearly everything. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I would hope so. Um, I don't think we could get away with uh, a bunch of stuff. But then on the other hand, um, maybe we could. Um, like, I believe it or not, I have not seen the new re- reboot yet, uh, mostly because we don't have Hulu. Uh, but 
if we had Hulu, I would watch it. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I think they're, they're pretty much following the same formula that we laid down. Um, and hopefully that is showing people that, hey, you know, sometimes just funny is just stupid and don't overthink it. Yeah, exa- exactly. I, I don't understand why all of a sudden you have to now have cartoons directed. Like you were saying about the love of Looney Tunes with Daffy yeah. Duck getting his billboard on the phone. I used to love those back in the day. Like, yeah. you know, I've grown up to be a pretty decent human, I think. You know, I used to watch Animaniacs, <laughs> I used to watch, I used to watch and everything back as a kid. But I think there's so much back then that you couldn't play now. Um, yeah. Because obviously everybody would be like, well, that's offensive to me because, I don't know, he's lost all his feathers and now he's naked. So right, yeah. I, I just I don't understand the concept of why all of a sudden everyone's like, well, I don't like that anymore because of this or that reason. I just think, yeah. I don't know, people need to grow you know, up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I I think that uh, you know maybe that'll all write itself self out and stuff, but uh, but clearly comedy is based around um, you know mo- most comedy is based around pain, right? Mm. So it's like. If you look at dot going against someone, uh, and that's the way we used to say it, like, you know, and dot in, in the old days, in our iteration, they would always go against those people that sort of in their, in their, in their actions deserved it. And, uh, and they were always hoity-toity p- people. And that harkens back to the Marx Brothers, too. Um, there used to be, in every Marx Brothers movie, there, there was always this woman named Margaret Dumont. Uh, and who was always the very, she was this rather large, sort of very haughty person, you know? And, and uh, she was this foil for them always to sort of make, make fun of. So, um, yeah. I don't know. So, you end, there you go. With the animatics, obviously you came on as a writer, but mm-hmm. you ended up doing several voices on the show. So yeah. How did that happen if you were there as a writer? Um... So uh, Tom Ruger, our executive producer, he knew that I, you know, he had seen me perform um, and, and he knew that was something that I really wanted to get to get back to. Um, but I didn't, I was like, I was just happy with a job where it was like, you know, honey, guess what? We don't have to find quarters in, in the couch today. We can actually like, there's something called a paycheck. Um, so I was fine with it. But I used to do this really lame Jerry Lewis impression and drive everybody crazy, you know, the whole la, 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 la. And, and one day Tom said, why don't you take that character and write, you know, the, the Yakawan dog go against the most condescending comedian in the world. And so I was like, okay, if that's what you want, I'll do it. So I sort of wrote, that's where Mr. Director came, came yeah. from. Uh, and he became a really good foil for, the three of them because you know he was sort of based on jerry lewis uh who i by the way i think is like royalty Uh, i mean jerry lewis is amazing but there was a time in jerry lewis's life where if you would watch an interview with him he became this like very serious man who would talk about comedy and its euphemisms and its explorationalisms and he would use words that by the way never made any sense and um, and I loved that Jerry because that Jerry was so like, what's happened to you? You know, and he would be because it's a cognizance, it's a 
it's a knowing of the knowledge of comedy, blah, blah, blah. So I, th I thought, man, if there was any ever anyone for the Yakko and Dot to go against, it would be this sort of bloviating uh, comedic genius. Um, and I think a lot of people thought that I was like making fun of Jerry. I was like, no, I, I actually love Jerry. I just find this, this particular Jerry a little bit hard to take. But anyway, um, so that's, yeah. And, and then from, from there, sometimes it would be like, well, who are they going to get to come be Einstein? Oh, you know, Paul, you do it or whatever. And, and, and so, um, yeah, that, that's how that occurred. So how did you come up with the voices for the characters that you play? Uh, for, well, for Mr. Director, it was clearly Jerry. So it was like, <laughs> yeah, bye -bye. Um, and uh, it was just that all the time. Um, for, you know, Einstein, it was your typically really bad, you know, um, uh, you know, this sort of uh, German child um, <laughs> was very chubby. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so it was it was that like they weren't like earth sh shattering voices, but they got they got the job done. That was perfection. That German accent was spot on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. So obviously Freakazoid came out of the Animaniacs. Was was he always intended to get his own show or was it just a character that no, went over actually, really well? Uh, no. So, so Freakazoid. So uh, when we were, uh, I think we were wrapping up our second season writing on Animaniacs and Steven Spielberg, uh, I think Warner brothers went to him and said, Hey, you want to, you want to do anything else? And he had said, yeah, you know what? I'm really, I really like that Bruce Tim Batman you know, uh, the Batman, the animated series. Um, hey, maybe we do something like like that. So Bruce Tam, who's like this amazing genius, and Paul Dini, uh, who wrote a bunch of the, the, the Batmans, they sort of built Freakazoid to sort of fill that niche that Steven wanted. The problem was, is that it wasn't overtly comical. It was more... Uh, edgy and um, Stephen had having now done Animaniacs before that Tiny Toons and you know, Picking the Brain, he wanted something much more in your face comedic. Uh, and Bruce Tim was like, you know, that's not really my thing. So uh, they gave it to Tom Ruger. And I remember this was uh, the, the WB was going to premiere in 1995. Mm -hmm. So this is 1994. Um, and the WB had already sold Freakazoid as, as being on the show. So uh, he brought me in. He brought uh, John McCann in and said, let's, we got to figure out this show. So um, that's how Freak, Freakazoid was, was born. It is so funny. I, I was watching some clips of him earlier. And it, it's the running around, like pretending he flies. It's, yeah. It's so, it's so funny. So yeah. what led you from leaving Animanix? Was it the, pro the program ended or just you left the show? Uh, no. So uh, Freakazoid took, took over. So they basically said, uh, you're not on Animanix anymore. You're now on Freakazoid. Um, so An Animanix went, went on, and, but Freakazoid became a priority. Uh, and so, and by, by that time I had written so many Animaniacs that it was like, oh, okay, good. Um, something, something new. So that's how Freakazoid, that, that, that's how I got put on Freakazoid. Ah, fair enough. So 
some they must have been quite weird for you then if if you just did the voice of Freakazoid like on Animaniacs like so Paul do you want your own show now <laughs> <laughs> that would have been nice yeah no the way uh actually I wasn't supposed to be the voice on on that they uh when we had written our pilot they had a ton of um auditions and they brought in a ton of a ton of actors but we didn't really know what to tell them um and so uh we brought in you know some really amazing amazing actors and uh we kind of wasted their their time because we didn't really know what this character was uh, about and uh tom ruger said hey why don't you go in the booth and why don't you record what you think the character sounds like and from from there um they played it for steven and we were really under the gun. There wasn't a lot of time. And Stephen said, just have Paul do it. So that's basically how I got cast. I wasn't supposed to be that. Um, so then I had dub- double duty. I was not only the voice, but I had to, I was one of the you know, main writers. So, yeah. You should know you definitely got all the best jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, like- no. You, you know what's interesting? I when I wrote Fre- Freakazoid, I gave most of the the funny stuff to other characters, and I'm I still don't know why. I did, 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 you know, like Cosgrove, uh, the police chief. Um, yeah, yeah, it was fun though. It was great. That's really good. So you've done so many different projects. I was looking at your IMDb, and I was like, that's amazing. Like the all the different projects you're in, like Buzz Lightyear, Dave the Barbarian, American Dragon, which is a program I completely forgot about from when I was a kid. That was so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Puss in Boots. It's, but one thing I notice is you play several characters in quite a few of these shows. Is that like a mm-hmm. common thing with voice actors, or is it just showing yes, your talents? It's off? very common. It's very common because uh, it's more economical for the production company because as as an actor, you're allowed to do three voices before they have to pay you more. So it's to their advantage to get the main core. And then from there, you can get three, right? So Mm. um, now, you know, if you look at people like Rob Paulson, who's brilliant, Maurice LaMarche, who's brilliant, um, Frank, Frank Welker, to give them two voices is no big deal. To give them three voices is no big deal. To give them eight voices. But for me, sometimes it would be like, Paul, you're going to be uh, this and also, you know, a man. And I'd be like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, what does that man sound like? Uh, and I would always stress over that. But that's very common. You actually bled beautifully into my next question. How do you differentiate each voice? Because obviously you've got to fool the audience. The audience isn't supposed to know that's the same person. Yeah. Um, uh, well, normally you're d- the, the director, the voice director, and in, in most of the shows I've done, it was the same voice director. Her name was Andrea Romano, and she's like an animation royalty. She's an amazing voice director. And she would just flat, flat out say, nope, sounds too <laughs> much like, you know, nope. And then you go, okay, shoot. Um, well, uh, what if I change it like this? Okay, good, fine, fine. Let's just do that. Um, uh but for a show like Puss in Boots, where Artifius, the the alchemist, you know, he was very, you know, he was a very specific voice. It was pretty easy to get away from that voice. Or Dave the Barbarian, um, which is just this high-pitched, you know, whiny piggy. Um, I, I think Dave the Barbarian sort of sound like that. It's really easy to move away from that. It's where you're doing sort of middle-of-the-range voices that they tend to bleed in. Because I can imagine that can be quite a challenge sometimes, especially if you're doing so many. It's like, I can't even remember what I did for the last guy. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. Uh, normally, that's why they didn't always give me a bunch of voices in a show because they're like, Paul, no. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that's always confused me, me confused me rather, tripped over my own words. And when it comes to writing TV, and it's in your career, so I'm using you here to basically find out and answer the question of always wondered. It's yeah. with writing credits, you you quite often brought on for like one episode of a show. Mm-hmm. So what what is the reason for that? Some shows don't have like you write the whole series. Why is it sometimes you get brought on just to do one episode? Well, uh, so on uh, Animaniacs, if I go back that far, we were a writing staff, right? I think there was <laughs> there was Sherry Stoner, Deanne Oliver, Pierre Hastings, Randy Regal, John McCann, Tom Minton, um, and we all. Uh, because there was so much when when you think about it we had a 65 episode order that first one each each cartoon had you know pretty much or each episode had three cartoons each um there was no way a team could write that um so it was like okay you'll do that one you'll do that one you'll do that and you'll do that that one and we just sort of built it up like that um but a lot of times a show doesn't have a writing staff per se. It has a freelance writing staff where it's like, you know, you're not all there con- contributing. Um, so that's why sometimes you see one person brought on for that one person brought on for, for that, but there's just so much material. Um, there's no way that you could write t- together. In fact, on Animaniacs, we rarely like to team up with each other because um that slowed the process down right you, you have mm. to go what do you think i don't know what do, what do you think and it's like much better for one person's vision for each story to just go so yeah i suppose that works better in the animaniacs like skit environment as yes. well anyway because it's not it, it like does. you're following the story per se so. right yeah 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 so obviously you're also a puppeteer which is really really cool so how did that come about? Was that an interest you chased personally, or was it someone come up to me like, "Want to learn?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly how it how it happened. I mean, I I loved the Muppet Show. I was a big big fan, but never really thought about that as as an avenue. Um, right after Freakazoid ended, I sort of was looking around, and I wrote a pilot for the Jim Henson Company, and um, based on that, they were. I think a couple of years after that, they were developing a, an, an improvised puppet show um, called Puppet Up. Uh, but I, actually, no, I'm wrong. What, what they were doing was Brian Henson wanted to uh, sort of recharge his puppeteers to, um, to feel that energy again. So he formed an improv group for no one to ever come and see, but just sort of an internal improv group for everybody to sharpen their comedy skills. And he invited me, they invited me to that, um, to sort of contribute crazy ideas, you know, stuff like that. And um, they, based on that, they just taught me how to puppeteer. Um, and uh, then, then the show actually became a live stage show. We did the Aspen Comedy uh, Festival. We then went to Edinburgh uh to do um the fringe festival then we went to australia and yeah we did a bunch of stuff so every night in front of a thousand people we would you know we would 
we would just do improv with puppets in front of an audience. So that's basically how I learned how to puppeteer. Um, and I will tell you this, I'm not as good. I'm really lousy compared to these amazing puppeteers uh, like Drew Massey, um, Alan, Alan Troutman, Bill Beretta, uh, Brian Henson. They're just like, yeah, it's in their blood. Uh, literally Brian Henson <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah yeah, right that's really cool though that you, you know you started your career in improv and then you learn this new skin like ah let's put these two together yeah 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 yeah. it was fun it was that fun. was really cool so from puppets it, you know that, that leads very nicely into Earth to Ned which I've got to admit I'll put my hand on my heart and say I hadn't really heard of it before I was doing the research for this show I, like, I'd seen it on mm. Disney Plus but I've never really looked into it so I watched an episode earlier on today before we jumped on and it's absolutely brilliant i'm going to go back and watch the rest because it is superb oh, and i'm good. not just saying that to blow smoke it is brilliant but oh, for, for people that haven't heard of it how how would you describe this because it's so unique um earth to ned is is a talk show hosted by an alien who was sent to earth uh by his race to uh to take over earth and to wipe it out as they have done countless times throughout the galaxy. Um, the problem is, uh, is, that Ur, is that when Ned got to Earth, he sort of fell in love with pop culture and celebrity culture. And so rather than, rather than destroy the Earth, uh, he decided that he would do the next best thing, which is uh, interview celebrities um, <laughs> and, celebrate, and celebrate humanity. And, um, and that's kind of the way Brian Hinson, you know, pitched it. Uh, when I went in for my audition, uh, he, he was like, look, this show is hopeful. It's fun. There's not an ounce of negativity in it. It's, it, it's about this alien who loves humans and everything about humans. And most especially the celebrities, because he's really into celebrity culture and pop culture. Um, and he wants to learn all about being a human. Um, so that's basically what the show is. And, uh, it, it was so fun to do. So fun. I watched the episode of, um, Alan Tudyk in it. Yes. And, oh my God, that, that guy's hilarious in general. And then you put yeah, that, yes. put him on that show and, oh, I was in tears. Yeah, I was yeah. like, this show is brilliant. So oh, good, good, good. Excellent. But how did this come about? Cause obviously it's one of the, it's, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't this one of the first original programs on Disney plus? Uh, well, actually, uh, Disney Plus had started. We were, I think, we were in production just as, uh, well, Disney Plus actually hadn't even premiered yet. Um, so, yeah, we, we, were, we were destined to be uh, one of their first shows, but then COVID happened and post-production sort of threw that, that all off. So I think we premiered in September of 2020. Um, and we did two seasons and the, the, uh, the second season is now dropped. Um, but yeah, we were, we were one of the first for shows that's, that's uh, produced for them. Yeah. That's gotta be quite an honor considering how huge Disney plus is now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It, it, it is. And I'm, I'm hoping that we get another, another go. I really hope you do. Be Cause it is absolutely wonderful. Oh, good. I, uh, Good. I see my uh, co-host as a rejoined. I'm so sorry. That has <laughs> never happened before. The internet just cut out. That was it. Done. 
Oh, I know you went and mowed your lawn, but that's fine. I did. To be fair, Paul, I was sitting I was going, oh, really? It really is doing. She's probably going to do that right now. <laughs> I was like, they won't notice I'd slip off for 10 minutes. <laughs> um, but I'm just going to jump in because see, I've noticed it's happened the past yeah. 10 minutes, but your YouTube channel. Yes. What is it called? <laughs> How do you pronounce uh, that? <laughs> it's called, okay, so I have no idea. It's called Paul Ruggs Freundleben. Freundleben is one of the words that Mr. Director and Animaniacs would say. He would go, Freundleben, which is a Jerry Lewis sort of uh, uh, ex exclamation. And so when, when I decided like two years ago or three years ago, I go, you know what? I'm just going to put stupid stuff on YouTube. It said, great. What do you want to name this? And I was like, oh, man, I don't know. Oh, Freundleben, fine. Freundleben. <laughs> That's, I have no idea what that means, but it won't even matter. So, um, yeah. And I only, the reason I put, I put stuff on YouTube, most of which like have four views. Uh, it's still great though, is, um, it's just fun to do stupid things. Um, uh, and I think only one of them or a couple of them all involving my Chihuahua. Those are the ones that people like, Oh, Chihuahua. Great. You know, but the ones that I spend like, months editing they're like yeah why do I, whatever but your <laughs> chihuahua that's what we want so fun so so because yeah. that video was lucky where you're talking about yeah. how dogs are better than cats went viral went mental yeah because i remember yeah. being on facebook and going what's this video so I watched it was at find it absolutely hilarious and then when i was conducting my research i was like no fucking way i remember that video <laughs> so i was just yeah. putting my mind a little bit but the the one the lift as well was really funny really oh the, yeah 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 the microphones yeah so good yeah one of one of the very uh few times my wife actually lets me uh sort of borrow her to be in new videos <laughs> normally she's like i don't want to i don't ever want to be with no um, and i was like i was like hey i really i have this idea and she goes okay so she did it and um, yeah, that was great. But the lucky one, which was shot on that, I'm pointing, that's the chair. I, I, oh, that's, no way. That's a new dog, that's Marge, by the way. But anyway, Hi, Marge. Marge, she's been drinking. Um, <laughs> uh, the lucky video was uh, my friend, I have a friend named uh, Tom Wilson. Tom, it was Biff in Back, Back to the Future. I don't know if you, uh, he was, yeah, yeah I, and he's. I um, emailed him the other day. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a great guy. He's like one of the smartest, most brilliant people I know. And anyway, Tom and I did a show together on Nickelodeon called um, uh, "Pig O Banana Cricket," and we had two years of a lot of fun. I think four people saw this saw the show, but we had fun and we were paid, so that's the most important that's thing. But anyway, Tom was over at the house here one day, and I I was holding Lucky because Maria, my wife, had to go do something, and and I. I had to hold Lucky, this, I think keep him from getting out of the house. And I rested my hand on him and Lucky started biting me, and, which is what this dog does, which is what a lot of chihuahuas are like that. He loves my wife, you know, but I even look at him the wrong way and he attacked me. And Tom said, you know, you, you should do, you should do a video where um, Lucky just bites you while you're petting him. And I was like, yeah. Um, so who the heck's going to watch that? Um, so one, one day I was riding and then when, as soon as I finished riding for the day, I, I asked my wife, I said, can I borrow Lucky for like a minute? And she goes, why? And I go, I'm just going to do a really stupid thing. So I, I sat there, put up the camera 
did it in one take, put it up on Facebook for my friends to see, because I was like, no one is going to care. And mostly to prove to Tom that I actually listened to his idea. I put it up on Facebook, went about my business. And the next thing you know, I'm getting all these calls saying, are you the guy who was a chihuahua? And I'm like, yeah, uh, <laughs> is it out? Do I need to go pick it up or something? And it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, well, what's the deal? And uh, they're like, well, your, your little video, um, I think it passed like a million in like an hour or something. It was nuts. Yeah, nuts. yeah. Uh, and I was like, well, this is, this is odd. Uh, having spent most of my life struggling over scripts, for weeks and crying and going, no, it's there's a comma after the Y. Uh, to sit in that chair and just sort of go for like a minute and to have people go, well, this is your legacy. Your, your, ch <laughs> your chihuahua will bite you. And this is what you'll be known for for the rest of your life. I'm like, okay, fine. So um, yeah, it was crazy. It's like, ah, oh, Paul, can we book you? What, for Anime Next? No. Freakazoid? No. <laughs> Earth to that? No. Your dog, lucky. No. We, we just want your dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, 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 it's true. In fact, I got an email the other day. It was like from someone in Japan. It was like, you know, hello, we, uh, we like your dog. Um, can your dog, can we, can we, and your dog, it was something about Lucky, and I had to break the news to them. Unfortunately, Lucky died, uh, which he oh. did last year. Yes, he um, he he was old, and um, he um, it was a very sad sad day. But uh, Lucky passed passed away. But um, uh, trust me, I've been thinking maybe you know to talk to my wife. Maybe we should get a little chihuahua. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so, um, yeah, Lucky was amazing. He, he was the sweetest little, little guy. It's just that you couldn't, I could never pet him or he would just attack me. And then once you start petting him, he, he'd be like, Hey, what do you want to go do? Um, <laughs> that was, yeah. He was awesome. awesome. Looks like you're at Marge. <laughs> <laughs> she quits the day drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, hey, for you later. <laughs> <laughs> we, went, we went off a complete tangent then. I didn't actually finish my questions about Earth to Ned. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just going to say, obviously you did the voice of Ned. But and yes. do you, do you, do you puppeteer Ned and do the voice? Yes. That's yeah. amazing. So do you do that yeah. at the same time or was the voice recorded after? No, no. We do it, we do it all, all at once. What hat was That's so amazing. Ned takes... Ned takes six puppeteers to do in tandem. So uh, there is a performer inside the actual body. And he's sitting in a little chair, or she is, I'm sorry, it's uh, Morgana. And, and sort of moving the body like this uh, back forward. And then Donna Kimball is in the front with the first two hands. And then we have puppeteer on either side doing these hands. Next standing, and I'm like 20 feet away. Uh, and I've got this rig. Uh, it's basically, it, it, it's this crazy contraption that I put my hand in and it has all kinds of different axes. So it goes this way, it goes this way, it goes this way, it goes this way. And depending on how I move my hand within this rig, it causes the lips to, to come together to go wider. And then standing next to me is Alan Troutman, who's this amazing puppeteer, and he's just doing Ned's eyes. So... 
I'm doing the voice and sort of leading what the discussion is going to be. I'm talking, I'm doing the mouth, but all the other puppeteers are sort of working off of that. And all of us are sort of creating the character live. Um, so at first, when we started, it was like, it was, it was awful because we didn't know each other then. It'd be Ned be like, oh, um, <laughs> and, uh, but then after about a month of rehearsals, cause Brian was like, you guys got to be locked in a room for a month. So we were in the Jim Henson creature shop for a month, just, just improvising and, and coming up with Ned's moves and, and stuff. And then when we actually started, we never thought about it again. We just sort of ran and, and did it. And um, I think the biggest compliment is, and what's kind of, kind of cool is that people think it's just this one character, but six of us are working at the same time to, to pull it off. It's great. That's it's fun. Crazy. That is amazing. So, so what's coming up next for you then? What are you working on that you can talk about? Uh, well, um, it's hopefully another season of, of Earth to Ned. And then I'm developing uh, a new animated series that uh, I can't talk about, unfortunately. Uh, but it's 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 sort of it's sort of the love child of Freakazoid. I will just say it's uh, it's bizarre and silly and weird. And um, so that's but it's not got anything to do with Freak Freakazoid. But had we been given a third season of Freakazoid, it would sort of have been like this. So that's basically it. Amazing. Tom, have you got any more questions? Yes. Mr. Rugg. <laughs> That's very formal, wasn't it? Yes. Did, did you ever think... Fact, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. So, like, yes, so absolutely. Uh, yeah, no. um, did you ever think that life would turn out the way it has? Did you ever think that, you know, anime would be as big as it is and things would just blow up for you? Uh, no, I mean, no, uh, definitely not Animaniacs. And, uh, and, and by, by the way, it's like, as, as you probably know, like in everybody's life, there, there are, there are, there are highs and then there are troughs. And yeah. so it's like, you know, you, you wait and then you sit around for a year and then something good happens and then there's a trough. But I remember right before, I think the week before Animaniacs pre premiered, uh, I was taking a walk because we would take a break. We would walk around uh, the mall and then walk out outside. And I remember walking with Peter Hastings, who I mentioned before, who sort of uh, who was also a writer on Animaniacs. So we we're walking, and I was like, "Peter, are we just gonna be killed? Uh, are people people are gonna hate this show that we've come up with?" And he's like, "I, you know, I don't know. I may, maybe. I, it's who knows." And it's like. Uh, so you never know. Uh, you never know. Like we didn't know that people would like it, uh, and I'm really glad they did. And um, and with Fre Freakazoid, I'll tell you, when we were doing Freakazoid, um, we we had crickets. Right? It's like no one, no one cared. No one really, you know, liked it. And then now with time. Um, People are saying, "Hey, Freakazoid! Wow, that was that was amazing." But when we make it, we didn't get a lot of a lot of love for it. So, I think the answer to that is you never know if people are going to like your stuff or when they will like your stuff. But to just always do what you do, and sometimes that's going to be a hit, and sometimes it's going to be a miss. Uh, but that's sort of life, and mm -hmm. um, just yeah. 
just do what you do and you know yeah i don't know yeah that's that yeah that's sort of my answer to that amazing right before we let you go we have a quick little game we like to play and we, call, we call it the quick fire round it's literally five okay. questions and you answer them as quick okay. as you can nice oh answer. boy that's hard for me okay all right i have my pen go <laughs> favorite pizza topping uh pepperoni very popular answer your yeah. favorite muppet uh miss piggy oh good answer the first concert you ever went to beach boys nice oh, nice yeah who would play you in the movie of your life uh oh sh- you um uh oh, ryan gosling <laughs> <laughs> An excellent answer, sir. Perfect answer. Go. Perfect answer. There you go. Okay. And, and last but not least, a piece of advice you would give to a younger version of yourself. Uh, don't worry. Don't Wonderful. worry. Nice. Very nice. nice. Yeah, simple. I like it. Paul, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for doing this. It was fun. All right. Thank you, guys. But uh, before we get out of, is there any like social medias, any websites, any anything you want people to um, make sure they yeah, check out? Yeah, well, y- yeah, you can you can go <laughs> if you're brave enough or strong enough, you can check out my really stupid YouTube page, uh, which is Paul Ruggs Freundleben. Um, and if you wanted to follow me on on Instagram, although I don't, don't know why you would, but if you were of a mind to do that, it's Rug R U G R U G G one. Uh, and that's my uh, don't ask me why I did that again it was one of those things what do you want your thing to be called I'm like I, oh, 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 <laughs> and so anyway there it is that's it incredible again thank, thank you so much for doing this has been so much fun okay guys take care have a great, take care, have a great day thank you Paul cheers bye bye what an absolute hero of a man oh so the guy was hilarious. hilarious, absolutely hilarious. And I, I felt so sad about bringing up Lucky. Um, I know, yeah. What was weird is that last week I was scrolling through Facebook and that video appeared on my timeline. No, no way. No link to Paul, like he wasn't tagged in it, nothing. It was literally just, this man strokes his dog and it was him. It was that video. It's funny because I remember that just appearing out of nowhere and I was like, oh, watch this. And I found it absolutely hilarious. And the one in the elevator as well with his wife is brilliant as well. Okay, I'll have to so, find that one. You need to go and check out Paul's YouTube channel, boys. But yeah, thank you so much, Paul. We had so much fun doing this. Absolute hero. Incredible interview. Just good. I missed fucking 15, 20 minutes of it. I'm so sorry. Well, when you listen back to it, you'll know what we spoke about. Oh, well, I look forward, I look forward to hearing it. So it's just so weird for my own one of my shows, but there you go. Well, our show, should I say? Sorry. Uh Paul, thank you so much, man. We really, really appreciate your time for taking the time out to talk to us. It means the world to us. And hopefully we can talk again soon when my internet won't cut out on us. I will say, for those who are unsure about Earth to Ned, I hadn't heard of it before this interview. Because like I said, as I said to Paul in the show, I'd never heard of it before I was doing research with such show. Go on Disney Plus, check it out. It's absolutely brilliant. It is so much fun. Just go watch it. Go binge the whole lot. Right. It's my turn. I always forget if I can make up answers for you, but I'm so sorry. Let's see what you can come up with. So I said, over the past few years, we've had a few biopics hit our screen. We had Rocketman for Elton John, Bohemian Rhapsody for Queen, etc., etc. Now, our question to you is simply, who do you think should have a movie made about them and why? Bonus points if you can cast the main character also. 
who should have a biopic. But is it biopic? I don't really know how you say this. It's biopic, biopic isn't it? or biopic. I it's not really... bio. It's not biopic because that sounds like they're nuclear. I guess it kind of does. Yeah, nuclear pictures. Yeah. I'd like to film about someone. <laughs> I can see you looking at things, trying to come up with an answer here. I, dude, I I generally don't know. Uh, nope. Sorry, boys. I have absolutely no idea. He's got nothing. Um, I have got nothing. But I've got a question for you, actually. Oh, go on then. So, for example, say Metallica, say they should play probably deserve one. Um, say Guns N' Roses, say bands that or artists or people that have done a lot. So mm. actors, um, comic book designer, anybody that's done fucking loads of work throughout their life. Yeah? Yeah. And they release a they release an autobiography. Yeah. Deserve a book, right? I'd say so. Okay. So why are we getting Colleen Rooney? Oh, I've never understood. Why that. are we getting uh Arctic Monkeys? Why I've... are we getting Rebecca like Wags? Why are they getting books? I have no idea. Because people you... buy them, because weirdly enough, people do buy them. They don't deserve a book. No, you haven't, you haven't done it. I mean, Arctic Monkeys have had some albums, you know, and I get that, and I'm not trying to shit on them. But, I mean, they've not been around that long. No. Have they got a book out? I don't really know. I think they do. But it's... Oasis deserve a book. Oh, definitely. Metallica deserve a book. They, Wags, don't get don't deserve a book. No. You haven't done anything. Or people from Big Brother from years ago. Yeah. What are you doing? You did actually cover one of my answers there. I didn't cast it, but Oasis. Oh, you say Oasis, would you? Oasis, definitely. I reckon if they to see like the dynamic, the, the breakdown between Liam and Noel. I went saying Liam. Then. <laughs> Liam <laughs> I, I reckon that'd be quite interesting to see on the big screen. Um, actors wise, I know this is way out of left field, but Mike Myers. Four. I'd just love to see a movie about his life. Uh... Like starting off in Canada, working his way up through the Canadian SNL scene and going to like Wayne's World, Austin Powers, you know, it was, it was fucking huge in the 90s. It'd be quite an interesting story. Jim Carrey, probably for me. Jim Carrey would be fascinating. And Rick Moranis would be another one I'd quite like to see as well. Didn't he get attacked recently? Yeah. Because obviously he was a huge Hollywood thing and then his wife died and he just went, right, I'm done. Out. I'm going to look after my kids. See you later. And then never made another film. So it's... Right. Have you got no answers then? Jim, Jim Carrey, Carrey, Matt. Jim Carrey, yeah. He's got a book out, I think. Yes. Yeah, it's... Right. From the listeners. Geordie Licht says, I'd love to see a, a biopic about George Carlin. I believe it's in the works, but it has been on and off as far as I know. As for casting, I'm leaning towards Bill Hader or Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, nice. I'd quite like to see a George Carlin movie, to be fair. I don't I'm know who George Carlin is. He's a stand-up comedian. He's one of those, as soon as you see his face, you go, ah, him. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, you'd know him. Um, David Raby says, Gigi Allen. First off, welcome to audience participation, David Raby. We like that. And Gigi Allen would be a fascinating movie. Again. Uh, he was a punk singer in like the 80s. And okay. yeah, basically, he was known for like playing mental live shows, cutting himself on stage, and just acting like a complete fucking lunatic. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, it just assault audience members and they'd love it, but he'd get arrested for it multiple times. He was a complete nutcase. Yeah. Quite an interesting one. Um, 
I've had two people give the same answer. So Paulie Dobson and Moose Cooper both said a Metallica biopic, which I completely agree with, but it'd have to be done honestly, which is what I'd worry about. Um, and also I've had James Kluwer and Andy Joynson both give, keep in mind, these people don't know each other, say the exact same person and the exact same actor, which is no weird. way. They both like- said, oh, gone, sorry. Audience participation, bingo. Yeah, it's great. They both said Ozzy Osbourne slash Black Sabbath, and they cast Jared Leto to play Ozzy Osbourne. Really? I was the first one I first read it. I was like, hmm. But the more thought about it, I went, actually, no, Leto could probably pull that off. Wow. He's a singer. Yeah. And he is a singer as well. Uh, who we got now? Emma Wharton, Keanu Reeves. He's such a genuinely nice guy. He's had so much bad stuff to happen to him. I'm not sure who to cast, but I'd love to see a biopic about him. Nice. I don't really know much details in the Keanu Reeves' life, but I heard he has had a bit of a fucked up life. Uh, Wesley Pike says Dimebag Daryl. Definitely. Nice. That'd be a good one. Gemma Williams. Slayer. Why? Because it would be epic. I think I think of it as a warts and all documentary film where they all play themselves. Let's face it, if you're creating a film about Slayer, you want the band to play them. Only one problem with that is Jeff Hanneman, one of the guitarists from Slayer, is no longer with us. So I don't really know how that one's going to go. But... Ah, okay. Cardboard cutting? I don't know. Uh, this one made me laugh quite a lot. Graham White, the Archbishop of Canterbury. I would cast Matt Berry to play. <laughs> I don't know it. Matt Berry? Um, I don't know who Matt Berry is. Yeah, yeah. I just, just the idea of Matt Berry playing the Archbishop of Canterbury is really funny to me. Oh, fair enough. I'm sorry, that died in its ass a little bit. Apologies for that. That was my a little fault. Bit. And last but not least, we know who it's going to be. It's Mr. Ryan Williams. And he gives us four answers. Okay. He says, J. Robert Oppenheimer. Probably a boring movie, but the guy created the atomic bomb and named himself the destroyer of worlds. So he deserves something. As far as his casting, Benedict Cumberbatch. I'd watch that. Steve Irwin. The dude was an international icon that helped us humans to know more about animals. Why wouldn't you want a biopic? Yep. Fair. Stanley. I mean, do you really need me to explain why it's Stan the Manly? I'm surprised Hollywood hasn't already done a biopic of him, which is a really good point. As for who to play him, I'm not sure why, but I'm leaning towards Ryan Gosling. Extra bonus really? point. Yep. For an extra bonus point, the name of the movie has to be Excelsior. Of course it does. Of course. And last but not least, Robin Williams. Oh, It'd yes. be interesting to see his rise to stardom and how long he was dealing with the disease that led to him, his passing. As for who to play him, there's an impressionist named Jamie Costa that does Robin Williams spot on. There is actually a documentary that's released uh, about Robin Williams for the, the last parts of his life. Is that? It's available on Sky Documentaries, yeah. I forget what it's called, though. I'll have to oh, I think I've seen the Avatar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't watched yeah. it yet, but yes. I might watch that tonight. Well, I might watch that tonight with Daddy. All right. There you go. But that was wonderful. Thank you, everyone who took part in that one. Yeah, thank you, guys. We really appreciate you participating in these challenges. And if you enjoy Jamie's participation challenges, you can go back and listen to 24 more of them and the previous 24 editions of Use at Chronicles, available on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, we've interviewed a lot of people, and we're going to, have to interview a lot more. So, you know, come down, check us out, and see if you enjoy. We also did USUC Superhero Bar Fight, where we did the exact same thing. But we had fights at the end, uh, to the point where we started to run out of ideas. But anyway, um, please come back and check out USUC Superhero Bar Fight. Come check out USUC Chronicles. We also have USUC's What's the Difference with Alan Tom, as they interview 
some fascinating people. They also had the later lounge straight after where they just use and abuse each other and discuss all the differentiations of culture between uh, the US and the UK. Uh, there is USX the Weekly Bazaar with Alan David. Uh, they've been slaying it the past four weeks. Uh, they had uh, Josh from the Speakeasy Gentleman last week. Uh, it is live on our YouTube channel as well. Let's go watch that at 7.30 every Friday. Um, and yeah, so they talk about the most crazy, most mentalist news stories of the week and then run a podcaster through the gauntlet. There is also You Suck Wednesday Night Live, which of course is every Wednesday night, shuck, um, at 9pm every uh, UK time, also available through Facebook and our YouTube channel. Uh, there is our YouTube channel, which I don't think I've mentioned yet, which is at USAC Podcasting Network. Please come and like and subscribe. Come check out our, all our interviews are on there. All the later lounges are on there. All their interviews are on there. Just weekly bazaars are on there and the lives are on there. There is also USUC on Facebook. So come follow us at USUC or at USUC fan page where you can come and share, share your memes, gifts, talk comedy, talk whatever the fuck you want, really geek culture, whatever you want, come throw it in there and come start a discussion. You can also follow us on the Twitter at Usup Chronicles for me and Jamie or at Usup Network for everybody. You can also follow us on the Insta at Usup Network or you can follow us on TikTok at Usup Network. Um, there's also our website at www.usupnetwork.com. Come and check us out on there. You can see all about us. All our shows are on there. All the podcasts are on there. Um, or you can email us or you can sponsor us. Uh, like, share, download us, allow us into your ears, tell all your friends about us, and most importantly, wear us like a mask, especially in these trying times. I'm amazed you've not done that one sooner. Thank you, mate. And while you're on our website, www.usucknetwork.com, click on that little tab in the top there that says shop, and go buy yourself a t-shirt and adorn yourself with our logos and our wares. That's a great shout, Jamie. It's a great shout indeed. Yes, indeed. Another great episode, my friend. Indeed. I've enjoyed it very much. As always, guys, as for this week, I think we will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Yusa Chronicles, part of the Yusa Podcasting Network. Mm-hmm.